it's our job as the leaders of our business to ensure that everyone we work with has a clarity of what we're trying to achieve together and for any of those categories of a partner. We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best Amazon stock management tool. How much has going out of stock cost you over the lifetime of your business? And what is it going to cost you this Q4? Eva predicts precisely what stock you need. It learns from your account and it improves constantly. Eva serves hundreds of private label seven-figure sellers. To get a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. If you want to scale up your e-commerce business, you're going to need to create a team. And that means you need to create a shared vision. In this episode, we're going to break down and discuss the best team-building collaborative efforts we know of and going to bring a lot of enthusiasm and energy to this topic, I think, together here today. So, Michael, are you ready to jump into how to create a shared vision with your team as a conversation? Absolutely. And I love this phrase, which is your phrase. I literally just hired a new team member two days ago, so it's right at the top of my mind. So great topic for me personally, and hopefully for lots of people listening as well. So let's start with the really obvious question. How are you defining team member? Important point, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's such a fluid space now, isn't it, compared to the olden days of nine to five careers? I think oh, the way I look at it is a team member is anyone you need to accomplish business with. And that could mean they're full-time workers. It could mean they're part-time uh, people. So those in the U.S., those would be you know W-2 employees that are literally on your payroll. But it could also mean people who are contractors that you pay through 1099. It could mean international service providers that you don't even have a 1099 you know, in the U.S. Uh, contract relationship with. It could also mean even more informal relationships like service providers that are doing things uh, for you like ad management, that kind of thing. And even people who are business partners, you know, Michael, as I was doing this, I was really, you know, realizing, you know, we're team members, we need to create a shared vision together, don't we even for this podcast. So I brought broadly, you know, kind of think about this stuff with all of those contexts in mind. And that's just how I approach it. What are your thoughts on that part? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that what broader set of people, because I've been thinking of it slightly narrower than that. But you're absolutely right. I mean, you and I did literally sit down and, and create the shared vision with quite a lot of thought before we even put, created the first podcast uh, episode. And I'm really glad we did, because I think it, it does make a difference. I would say the word team member is really important. So with a dispersed team or an international team, which is what I have, there is a real danger with the word virtual assistant. First of all, they're not virtual. They're actual real people with real physical lives and internet issues and children and what have you. And the second thing is out of sight, out of mind is the danger with that. It's too easy to think of a VA as, oh, just get it off your task list and give it to a VA, kind of out of sight, out of mind, off my plate. But I think team member reminds you to treat them as part of a shared mission, exactly like the word shared vision says. So that's, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you also agree with that, that language as well. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, you have to look at this really broadly these days. It, it, very few of us have an old school structured company where we just have all of our employees that are right there together. Most of us work in collaboration with people in very dynamic situations. And it really makes our job harder 
as the, you know, the leader to figure out how do we best manage the vision and execute on a strategy together with a group. And so this is, uh, this is the, the critical nature of this topic. And, and so I'm, I'm excited about some tips and tricks that, that we can share some ideas. We could also share horror stories. <laughs> uh, and I, I wrote a little email I sent out to my, to our newsletter group this morning. And, and I said in it, I was going to share a horror story and I'll be, can I be really transparent? Please. I was going to share a story of when something went bad recently. And then I was in, in listening to some preparatory stuff. I, I listened to John Maxwell and a podcast on uh, the fatal flaws of leaders. And one of the things he really stressed was trust. And so I, I said to myself, you know, if, if I tell that story, even without mentioning the person's name, it's going to cast me as someone who tells stories <laughs> about other people. And candidly, I don't want to be, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to retract my offer of sharing a horror story <laughs> today. I don't know if you have horror stories generally that you want to share, but there are so many times when team work and collaboration can go badly yes. uh, that it is fun. And, and sometimes easy to share anonymous, you know, anonymized stories, but I, I like your integrity. I like your integrity about that. And yes, I think you're absolutely right. There's sometimes you, you tell a story about somebody and I've done that. I've talked about a client, even on this podcast. And I didn't think what I was saying was disrespectful, but he did uh, email back and say, like, I know who you're talking about. So I think it is important to be uh, careful of people's feelings. So that, that speaks well to your trust building and, and how respectful you are. I've got a couple of horror stories to share about people who aren't on my team because their hiring interviews were horrible, nothing major, but I got <laughs> a little bit of stuff to share. But one little point before we plunge into how to do this, I just want to make it simple point i think it's really really important to have a shared vision if you're working remotely or in a dispersed team because you can probably get away a little bit more with not having a shared vision if you just turn up in an office every day in a routine way you physically see each other you have some kind of basic interaction on a human level but if you're dispersed you need to i think have to make much more conscious effort to have a shared vision what are your thoughts on that just before we plunge into the how oh for sure i mean i you know it's it's our job as the leaders of our business to ensure that everyone we work with has a, a clarity of what we're trying to achieve together and for any of those categories of a partner. And so it, it absolutely is required. Now, if you're a coworker with somebody and your peers, then I guess it's a shared vision that you're rallying around in inside the business you work in. But most of us are solopreneurs or, you know, working in entrepreneurial ventures where it's really on us as the leader to sort of create this vision with other people and we have to do that gracefully and, and respectfully yeah great so the obvious uh, next question is how do you go about it then what are the first steps to do that i i think in today's world one of the first thing that's super important is this the foundational uh questions of a, a shared vision of, of working together and I, I think there are a few set of common questions that we all ask when we go into a deal with someone whether it's a formal you know, employment relationship, which I mean, you, you, most entrepreneurs aren't interested in being employees. So, but when, when someone's working for you, I think there are a set of questions that we're all asking of each other, which is, am I an ethical person? And are you an ethical person? These are just foundational, you know, am I going to do what I said I would do? And are you going to do what you said you would do? You know, so, so performance and outcome, you know, am I a performer? in the way that I'm saying I am, and are you a performer in the way you're saying you are? Another one is, you know, am I going to treat you with respect and professionalism? Are you going to treat me with respect and professionalism? Th these are not really shared visions. They're just shared 
agreements almost at a, at a, at a sort of a business level where we'd say we want to work with people, people we can really click with and get along with. And sadly, you sometimes find people who are acting in a space and they haven't learned the basics of professionalism. They haven't learned the basics of saying, yes, I'm trustworthy and I expect you to be trustworthy and let's demonstrate that to each other. So, you know, those are sort of, to me, sort of just the, the foundations of working with people. And sadly, sometimes when you work with people, these things are the ones that you're like, oh, I found out you're not an ethical person, you know, bye-bye. <laughs> or, oh, I found out you, you don't do what you say you were going to do. And, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Or, or you're going to treat me not professionally. And maybe you, maybe you grew up working at, you know, a, a blue-collar job where, where there was no expectation of migrated into e-commerce or online work and you've built a business, but and yet you don't have an expectation of professionalism clearly rooted in your mind. So I think these are just foundational ideas that we all need to sort of work through and, and we all end up working through them in our own way. Yeah, I don't disagree at all with with these. I think it's a great list of sort of checkpoints. Mike, I guess my question, and this is the for me the intriguing dynamic between humans like how do you actually find the real answers for these i guess you could ask directly or or is it only from experience that you really know the answers to these sort of behavior character type questions oh it's only from experience i think <laughs> i mean i i think you can do your best to vet people you can do your best to have filters and screens you know kind of the pre agreement love due diligence you could call it or diligence that in a traditional role that's the you know recruiting and at, you know interview process and and verifying people's, uh, you know, prior experiences. I think those elements are traditional, but w many times now we bypass those things because we're in this service provider kind of economy, gig economy. It was like, oh, you did this. Okay. I need that done. Okay, great. Let's go. Let's do it. Well, you know, when you don't vet people and verify and that kind of thing, I think you can end up make rash decisions that didn't need to be made. But I think ultimately it comes down to the, the proof is when you work with somebody, you begin to, to learn these things. I think it was in the Matrix when the Neo has to fight that Kung Fu master guy, this this small guy who's like really awesome. Yeah. And then they're fighting before he goes to see the Oracle. And then he was like, the, the, the Kung Fu guy says, I had to be sure that you were the one. And then Neo said, you could have just asked. And he said, no, you don't really know someone until you fight them. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. It's, yeah. You know, uh, I like that, I guess. Right. So, yeah, I guess I, you don't really know until you work with somebody. I think that's true. I mean, I like this morning I was working as a musician, which I still do bits and pieces of. And, and yeah, when you work as a musician, there's a choir conductor just waving and you can't sort of shout instructions to each other when you would be interrupting the music. So you look at each other's eyes and the guy twitches his hand and then you play and he kind of stares at you. But you think, oh, that wasn't what he meant. And in other words, you only really know how good they are when you're actually doing the thing. And I agree yeah. with that. And that's my yeah. experience. Um, I would say that uh, essential keeping the, the word team very, very broad in definition, and which makes sense to me that I guess you would apply, apply different levels of expectation and proof, wouldn't you? If you're trying to hire somebody full-time, as I did the other day, in yeah. advance of committing to paying them and them committing to being with me for a while, that, and hopefully a long time, that that's a different level of proof from if I go on Fiverr and I want to find somebody who can you know clean up some photos for me or add some graphic elements or something, then I would probably put a lower level of proof Although I suppose I would basically treat that as an audition instead of interviewing them and say, great, do this thing. And if they don't do the thing or they say you can do it for Tuesday and it turns up a week late, then I guess they've behaved themselves into 
into truth, right? They show me what they're really like. That's right. And there are a lot of ways to vet people kind of uh, incrementally, you know, especially with team members, you know, from the Philippines, we're going through a process right now where we're adding a new team member. Our team leader for our team in the Philippines set up the job posting on online jobs PH. Then she, I think she's gone through 182 resumes, she told me, had it boiled down to a dozen. And then her and our team are going to interview down to just two finalists. And then I'm going to do the final chit chat with the, the two finalists or video call and then give the team my opinion. But I'll be an equal voice in their opinion. Hopefully, we'll all be on the same page about who our finalists would be. And even then, that person will be on a 90-day test probationary period before we go forward with them on a full-time way, which means in our system, they get benefits and a few different you know, perks of being a full-time regular team member. And so that's the process we use. And I think that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, you're right. You, you certainly can test you know, over time. And the 90-day filter is a great way to do that. Just, you know, it's a 90-day probationary period. And, and after 90 days, you're, you're in essence a full team. And, and then you, you're treated differently. And it's really just, a, I think, an expectation on the front end to say to people, what can they expect from us if things aren't going well? Hmm. And, what, and how will we behave? Will we be passive-aggressive and not say anything? Or will we address the issues professionally? and give them time to course correct, you know, those kinds of things are really important. Well, anyway, so this is more about hiring, I guess, at this point than it is shared vision, but it's very interesting stuff uh, to work through. Yeah. And yeah. I guess that the interesting thing then is, and I'm going to talk about how things, how we deal with things when they go wrong in a sec, but also before you hire and during the hiring process, presumably you want to have some kind of vision and you want to communicate that. So how do you go about creating the vision internally? And then how do you go about communicating that to candidates? For, for yeah. roles. I think what I've found over time is it's, you know, the, the right you, you put people in at the beginning as well, they'll stay in for a long time. So if you orient them to your business properly with a clear vision that you've explained to them, it's so much better than if you've muddled your way through who you are and what you do, <laughs> which I've done. And then, then, then later they come back and like, wait, this is what kind of company I thought you did this I'm like oh I do that too but I kind of also do this and you know you what I realized over time if I'm unclear in terms of sharing the origin story and the focus of our company or business or the work then it creates this permanent you know kind of confusion in their mind and so I think being very clear up front about the way in which you explain your business to people is is really important and it shouldn't be glossed over or you know, kind of just quickly, you know, breezed past it, it. We can do a disservice to our team members that are joining us by being flippant about the who we are and what we do. And we do that sometimes because we think, oh, they're just a part-time person or they're just a short-term contractor or they're just a whatever. That's mi minimizing their importance to you in your mind. And that's a really big mistake. Uh, if you need somebody to execute effectively to create a good outcome, you owe it to them to orient them well to your, you know, to your operation. 
Yeah, some great thoughts there. I really like that. I think that it's a little bit when people introduce themselves in a group, they tend to mumble their name really quickly. And actually, that's the thing I don't know. You Just because you've heard it 100,000 million times of your life, I don't know it yet. And it's kind of a similar thing, isn't it? You know, sometimes we think, well, this is just standard to me, but it isn't to them. And, and as you say, yeah, I think one of the things I've noticed with really good freelancers, even if they're coming in, for example, somebody came in to do some packaging work for uh, a physical product I was creating years ago, private labeling. And she asked a ton of questions about the brand, some of which I didn't know the answers to, but it forced me to go away and think. And that was an example of somebody managing upwards, if you like, doing that same thing the other way around and saying, I want to know about you and what you stand for. Now, when you're doing branding work, you kind of, that's core of the work. But for any type of work, I thought that was a very intelligent and, you know, optimistic. (laughs) I was pleased to hear them asking that kind of question. And I think the other thing, I've got a couple of kind of horror stories. I remember the first ever interview I did a couple of years ago to my first full-time hire of a VA and or a team member, I should say, in the Philippines. And I was all over the shop with <laughs> how uh, I explained the company. And I, I, it was mm-hmm. such a mess. And that was really useful for me because they turned out to be a pretty disastrous candidate anyway. And it was just good use, use to get it out of my system. And then I thought, wow, I really do need to sit down and really mindfully write down, articulate, what do we do? Who do we serve? And, and to be very very clear and it's surprisingly easy to fall into that trap in my experience yeah totally totally so we talked about then obviously finding the right people doing your best to articulate your vision you've talked about quite a rigorous hiring process that your team's going through and then we've got to deal with the reality sometimes things don't work out so you've you've got those characteristics ethical people doing what they said they're going to do mutual respect professional behavior So, so how do we handle it when it doesn't quite go to plan then yeah, I think you've got a big decision in baseball terms. We'd call it the fielder's choice. You've got to decide whether you're going to address the issue directly or you're going to just graciously retract yourself and your business from the collaboration with that person. And those are hard decisions to make. And I, I would say it really depends on the situation and the you know whether you feel like there's maybe some value in being forthright and direct about what the specific issue is. And again, my heart and mind would always be to say, if you haven't actually addressed the issue, maybe they don't know, maybe, maybe, you know, you've got a scenario in which you can, you can salvage the deal if you're forthright about it. But if you're not forthright and direct about it in a professional, for whatever reason, maybe you just realize, hey, this is how somebody works. This is their deal. I didn't realize it then, you know, you've got the choice of just saying, you know, thanks a lot. Really appreciate your time. We're going to end a, going to end it at the end of the month or, you know, whatever it is, whatever the appropriate deal duration is. And I, and I think there's fairness there. And I would just caution people. You never want to, you never want to end things badly. And you, you want to think through how you're doing it, especially if you have assumptions that you make or, you know, you, you just never know what somebody's circumstance is especially if you make assumptions about something that you thought they were going to be doing, but they didn't do it. But then you you know, then you find out, oh, they, they didn't ever know that was the expectation or I didn't communicate clearly or, you know, all these, these scenarios can happen where it's actually you, <laughs> you know, you're the one, you're the problem, not yeah. them. And in humility, you have to be willing to say to yourself, maybe I'm the problem here. Maybe I didn't uh, find the right person, set the stage properly, communicate effectively. And so I think humility a little bit is important there uh, in that yeah, regard. So. I, I agree with you. I, it's, it's, we, we both expressed before that we don't particularly necessarily think of ourselves as amazing managers. I, I certainly 
started off with sort of managing people remotely the the feeling that i was quite good and i, I certainly i think got to the point where i recognized i was like a d minus or e plus level manager and i'm now working my way to being a c plus and, and better over time and i think humility is the only way you're going to grow the, the other thing i'd like to say is in in a certain kind of way and i hope this isn't too shocking a concept but in if we're entrepreneurs and therefore kind of very responsible and very much in charge two sides of the same coin if we've got a bad hire, we, we're kind of responsible for that because uh, we didn't find, vet, or otherwise manage things such that we got the right person, right. right? And that, I think it's yeah. good to take responsibility yeah. because my default setting is just like my wife, both quick, bright people like yourself, and, and it's easy to say, and you're much more patient and kind than me. I have to remind my, my, myself, like, Mike, very likely you said something once or you didn't say it at all clearly, and you expected mm -hmm. them to mind read because that's very probable that I acted in that way. And yeah. therefore, I need to look at my communications and think, okay, so I probably did, knowing me, I probably told them, the the 10% of things they really, really needed to know that was very important to me. And then I told them 90 other things, which weren't mm -hmm. so important, but I didn't tell them which was important. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? As you say, humility is a great word. Uh, you learn over time, you know. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a sad business sometimes when you realize how how much the work there is to do on yourself. Well, yes. And you you also realize your own deficiencies and inabilities, but then you, you see them in other people too. And th this is reality. And you just have to figure out, okay, you know, is there an ability to work with this person, even though they maybe didn't, you know, execute in the way I expected them to or that kind of thing. Those are the hardest choices. In, in the olden days, <clears throat> when I used to be in human resources, I would always say to managers who wanted to fire somebody, the, the hardest person to fire was the wonderful wonderful person socially and in the team dynamic who was not executing on the duties of their job those are the hardest people to uh, to fire sometimes it's easy to fire people who you feel like are a jerk but you know the, so that's the tricky part is you know where did where's the relationship going are they a, a great person that's not executing or are they a, a great person and they're executing okay but you know, I have to decide what then do you do? And these are hard choices. So there you go. Yeah. And as you said, you're not wrong to say you should always do it graciously. You know, I mean, the world's quite small that we're in. If you're working in partnerships, particularly like in the e-commerce world, there's only so many people to go around. So you definitely don't want to get a reputation. But apart from that, it's just a, a human thing to remember that it sucks to get fired or let go from a contract. And you just got to remember that, right? Thanks so much for listening to The E-Commerce Leader. Hopefully you enjoyed our discussion about shared visions in business. Really, really important stuff. It may sound a bit abstract, but I can promise you, and I think Jason and I both hopefully given enough flavor of reality that this actually really matters in real life and particularly the awkward piece of how do you decide when to let somebody go. So hopefully you found this helpful stuff. If you have, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. If you can, give us a rating out of five stars on Apple Podcasts. That's really, really helpful. And don't forget to join us on the call-in app, C-A-L-L-I-N, uh, which is only for iPhones at the moment, on Tuesdays live at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, or 4 p.m. GMT, 5 p.m. Central European time, where we co-have a, a discussion, co-created, if you like, with our panel of Chris Green, Kyle Hamer, Jason Miles, and myself, Michael Vesey. Uh, it just remains for me to say thank you so much for listening to The E-Commerce Leader. That was the E-Commerce Leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels, 
just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.